Welcome to the Into Security Chats podcast, brought to you by InfoSecurity Magazine, the leading industry magazine and website, and presented by me, InfoSecurity Editorial Director, Eleanor Dalloway. This is the Into Security spin-off podcast that allows me to indulge in deeper meaningfuls with the industry's finest minds. So hey everyone and thanks for listening in today. You may have noticed that there was no August or September chats podcast. I decided to give myself the summer off Um, and I love this little one-man band podcast that I do and that's not just because I can give myself a break whenever I want but we are back um, for the October edition of chats and I'm joined today by Graham Cluley and I thought that inviting the king of infosec podcasts um, on <laughs> my podcast was a bit of a no-brainer but as I've just pressed the record button a second ago I wonder whether this was actually a, a bit of a silly move I've started to feel like I'm a veteran Sunday football team asking to play Man City in a oh, home match <laughs> good, goodness gracious no not at all isn't it see podcasts are so wonderful aren't they because Anyone can sort of knock out a podcast, can't they? It doesn't take very much effort. You could even do it on your iPhone if you wanted to these days. I'm a perfect demonstration of that. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, it's, I I think they're terrific. I've always been a fan of podcasts, not just about cybersecurity, because frankly, who wants to hear about that? But, um, (laughs) but, you know, about anything, it's, it's, it's just such a lovely medium. Yes, oh, hopefully our listeners want to listen about that, (laughs) Graham. (laughs) Oh, yes, yes. Oh, obviously this is. Really, really good. Yeah. Um, I think Security Chats is a bit like a juvenile younger sister with only, I think, seven or eight episodes we're on. And and you're the older brother with the the more sophisticated, wiser, worldly, (laughs) smashing security podcast. I think. And am am I wrong? You've done about 200, 250 episodes, have you? We are are rapidly approaching 250 episodes. That's right. We put it out most weeks, uh, myself and my co-host, Carol Terrio. And we've had a variety of fabulous guests some from the world of security and some from well all kinds of places we find them we, we've had the world chess champion uh or former world chess champion gary kasparov on we've had uh uh oh uh, we've had robert Llewellyn, who plays Crichton, the android in uh red dwarf <laughs> he was best. yes oh, we, he was quite a scoop uh so yeah we we, we get we, we like to have, get all kinds of different voices on and uh talking about computer security iot and things that go bump in the night Love it. I love it. Are you going to celebrate your 250th episode? Well, you know, I, I was just thinking today I need to get together with Crow and work out are we, are, what are we going to do for this? Because for 200, we did a video live stream, a very unwise idea. I, I, I recommend you don't do that, Eleanor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the tip. Because it's just a whole different level of complexity and things to go wrong um, doing it, doing this sort of via video. So, yeah, I think we should celebrate. I mean, 250 is pretty good, isn't it? It's amazing. It really is. I think, Graham, I mean, I think you're one of the handful of people in the industry that don't really need much of an introduction. But for those newbies to the industry, um, I'll give a quick one. Um, <laughs> you're a public speaker, you're a podcaster, a cybersecurity analyst, and I would probably just describe you as a sort of an educator and a content creator. Would you say that's sort of fair? Oh, yeah, I think that's very generous. But yeah, I, I, I think... <laughs> what I do you know it's hard to look at yourself and try and work out what you actually do I think what I do 
is take sometimes complicated computer security stuff and try and explain it in a way that my auntie Hilda would understand. So <laughs> if I if I can explain things in a simple way, and hopefully if it's entertaining and engaging, then maybe more people will follow that advice. So <laughs> my background is technical. I used to be a computer programmer. I used to write antivirus software way back in the, the Jurassic age. Um, and now I just mostly just sort of talk about it either in the form of a blog post or giving a speech or or podcasting like this. Thank goodness for Auntie Hilda because she makes it more attainable for all of us. But when I looked actually at when you sort of when you were a programmer, you did write the was it the first ever version of Dr. Solomon's antivirus toolkit? It was the first ever Windows version of it. It had already existed for DOS, uh, written by Alan Solomon and. Uh, I was hired uh, along with one other programmer and the other programmer took on DOS. I did Windows and uh, Alan Solomon said to me, you know why you're writing the Windows version and I'm writing the OS2 version? I said, well, why are you doing that? And he he said, no one's going to buy the Windows version. Everyone's going to want it for OS2. (laughs) And most people listening to this podcast probably don't even remember what OS2 was, but it was IBM's attempt to produce their own operating system for personal computers and well, it turned out that Windows rather uh, exploded in popularity, didn't it? Absolutely. When I was looking into that today, when you were doing that, I realised it was while I was still in primary school. Oh, oh. am I allowed <laughs> to swear on this podcast? <laughs> well, thank you very much, Elena, for had, pointing that out. I had out. to get it in there. I had to get it in there because given I'm on the back foot as a podcaster, um, my youth is one of the only things I've got over you, Graham. So I, I thought I'd get it in there. <laughs> I was very young myself. I, I was just, I mean, I was a very talented eight-year-old. Let's put it that way. I was eight years old and I started computer programming. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you worked for both Sophos and uh, McAfee, um, and, but now you're completely independent, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So I've been working for myself since, oh, about 2013, I think. Um, so, uh, yeah, just blogging and talking and, you know, just doing that kind of thing. And, and Actually, uh, we, we are making a little bit of money out of the podcast as well. So it's 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 going tremendously. Well, yeah. And actually, when you were just sort of saying that then about calling us sort of blogging, would you ever describe yourself as a journalist? No, no. Sometimes people do. And I just think, you know, journalists are journalists are like competent and know what they're doing. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm more... I mean, would you consider someone like Piers Morgan a journalist? Of course you wouldn't. He's just an irritant. He's just a person with a big mouth. And much as I loathe Piers Morgan, hate to compare myself, I'm just someone with a big mouth who has a few opinions. So really, my blog and my website is a place for me just to share my opinions and talk about what's happened and maybe, uh, yeah, just put my oar in a bit and stir it around a lot. You know, it's um, I, I w- I'm not really a journalist. I mean, if you want a real cybersecurity investigative journalist. You go to the likes of Brian Krebs, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm not Brian, um, and Brian does an amazing job. And uh, there's some other guys out there like Joseph Cox and others, uh, some of the guys at the register who do terrific jobs, you know, investigating um, cybercrime stuff. I'm not I'm not really that good. Um, so, <laughs> oh, so well, no, no, but you know, it's 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 knowing what you do well, and um, you know, I I think I'm just quick with an opinion like I said I think I can sometimes take other people's stories and maybe explain them in ways which uh, people find easier to consume and so that's probably what I'm doing. 
And, and I'm glad to hear we have a mutual disdain for Piers Morgan. Um, oh. That makes me feel hugely connected to you. <laughs> oh, you know, once I, I had the um, a researcher at Good Morning Britain contact me asking if I could uh, <laughs> if I could go on the show the following morning. And she publicly tweeted me saying, would you like to come on GMB tomorrow to talk about phone hacking or something? And I said, oh, I'm t- terribly sorry. I said, but every time I think of Piers Morgan, I throw up a little. And uh, as she as she had <laughs> as she had publicly tweeted me, I thought, well, I'll publicly reply to her. And I naturally tagged Piers Morgan in my message. And uh, did he block you? Everything. Yes, he did. Eventually, after saying some very rude things to me on Twitter, yes, he wasn't very happy with me. My view was that Good Morning Britain already had its own phone hacking expert, so they didn't need me <laughs> to come on the show to help them. Well said, touche. <laughs> Do you know, I was trying to remember when I first met you, Graham, and I think it was actually at the Sophos HQ um, in Oxfordshire when I was a sort of a really early on industry reporter. Do you still oh, really? look around here, by the way? We used to have a similar neck of the woods. Yeah, I, I live in Oxfordshire. Yeah. That's oh, right. me too. Me too. Um, I, th- I think there was a press day there and um, there were like a load of Nintendo Wii style gaming activities huh. involved. And that type of gaming was actually really revolutionary back then, which kind of gives away how long ago that must have been it must have been a very long time ago. Jurassic. <laughs> yeah it was good fun though the nintendo Wii. i liked that that that's yeah. I, I i have to say i don't remember that event but uh well done to everyone organized that at sophos that's a good way to give people some fun times yeah great pr team um so first things first one of the um, little quirks about this chats podcast um at the genius suggestion of wendy nather is that i ask each of my guests um, to suggest both a food and a drink pairing for the listeners to enjoy whilst listening to us bang on for half an hour. So what drink and food would you suggest pairs quite nicely with you as today's interviewee? Oh, my goodness. You know, it's, a, it's a very tricky one. You see, I don't I'm a little bit weird. Um, I I don't drink alcohol. I've never. Well, it's not true to say I've never drunk alcohol. There was a romantic incident involving a belly dancer many many years ago, uh, where, where alcohol was involved. But other than that, that's going to be question two, by the way. <laughs> other than that, I don't even really drink hot drinks. I don't like tea and coffee. I, I think why why are people drinking hot drinks? Sure, that's not the. So I like a sparkling water. I, I like rock a good roll. <laughs> yeah I know I am very rock and roll maybe with some ice if I'm feeling crazy or a slither of lime um that that would suit me just the bubbles have to be right though some sparkling water the bubbles are they the wrong shape are they that are not hard enough too soft I don't know but anyway a Pellegrino that I'd be very happy with that and uh, in regards to food well you can't be a Jacob's cream cracker can you with some lovely blue cheese some really stinky oh some gorgeous blue cheese on top of it smeared <laughs> over i think don't have too many jacob's cream crackers though because you will dehydrate um it's quite a dangerous thing to do but uh may, maybe a yeah, small pile of those remarkably you managed to sound like some kind of sommelier of sparkling wine <laughs> a minute ago. it was quite remarkable the in-depth <laughs> detail around the bubbles <laughs> okay so stinky cheese on crackers and some sparkling yeah why not right type of bubbles mm. cool um, so I'd like to talk to you about the topic that I'm actually currently writing quite an in-depth feature on, which is on the rise of the InfoSec celebrity or the InfoSec rock star. And I'm kind of saying that with, you know, the double quote mark things that you do with your fingers that Jerry from Friends gets wrong. Right. I'm doing that. 
Um, obviously, that kind of gets lost in transit on an audio-only podcast. But um, so celeb and rock star are used mm. loosely, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I think I suppose the irony of asking you this is that many, myself included, probably would probably put you on that ever-expanding list of industry personalities that are known by the masses. Um, so it's kind of strange to ask you this question, but as do you consider yourself um, in that category? It's, it's a slightly <laughs> awkward question, but do, when, do you realise how well known you are? Well, I don't think I'm that well known. <laughs> I mean, it, it, occasionally, first of all, I certainly don't consider myself a rock star. Uh, you know, a rock star, I think Jimi Hendrix or Roger Daltrey uh-huh. or, you know, so, somebody like that. And I'm more meatloaf. I'm not, <laughs> oh my know. God, I love meatloaf. <laughs> He is an absolute guilty pleasure. He, oh yeah, two out of three ain't bad. You know, I mean, he's 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 got his fans. William Hague, I believe, is a big fan of Meatloaf. Um, but yeah, he's not really Premier Division, is he? He's the sort of guy you can imagine showing up on Noel's house party um, to do. Again, I'm really aging myself. Um, to do a little performance for the two Ronnies. What a discredit to Meatloaf. But, but <laughs> no, I bet he has been on Noel's house party. But anyway, the thing the thing is this. Um, uh, occasionally, well, I'm very, I'm very bad with names. So I'm very bad with faces, and I often feel like it, it may come across as aloofness or arrogance or something. But I do have situations where people seem to know me, and I don't know them, and I'm not sure if I've met them in the past or been, you know, been married to them in the past or whatever the situation <laughs> might be. It's slightly awkward. Sorry, do I know you? Yes, we have a child together. That kind of thing. Uh, no, so it's um, so it, it does happen sometimes uh, that people know who I am. Maybe not as much as it used to. I used to be on radio and TV much more than I am these days. Um, uh, and now, which is, which is great, because there's lots of uh, younger and more attractive people who know the subject much better than me who are available for doing those kind of things. And uh, no, I don't, don't mind that at all. Um, so I think it happened more to me in the past. But um, you, I do recognise that I'd, I that I do appear to be a well-known name in the industry, in this we- really weird industry that we're working in. So if there are well-known names, I'm probably somewhere in that list. But, you know, I'm I'm not as well-known as, I don't know, Troy Hunt or somebody like that or Brian Krebs or, or Miko Hippenen, who is a real rock star with a ponytail. which means he's legit right yeah yeah exactly he he was able to grow his hair long whereas I've never been able to do that so (laughs) well actually do you know what you've set me up perfectly to tell this story and I do tell this story occasionally it was probably around 2008 2009 and I was holidaying in tight the islands of Koh Samui I had a few weeks off work and I had a break from thinking about malware and antivirus or so I thought I got there, I unpacked my suitcase, and while I was doing that, I stuck on BBC World News Channel. Yeah. And whose mug did I see? Oh, no. In yours, Graham. Oh, my and goodness. You were talking at me all the way in Thailand about some, I don't know, the latest info security vulnerability. The specifics escaped me, but I couldn't believe it. Um, so, you know, you really are. Oh. To have the ability to follow me to Thailand, you're pretty well known. I'm so sorry. And your holiday was ruined uh, <laughs> as a consequence. You know, something like that happened to me and my wife once. We were um, on holiday. Oh, where were we? It was somewhere like Hong Kong. It was somewhere in Asia again. Okay. And we literally checked into the hotel. 
And, you know, he put on the TV or something after a long journey to think, what's going on? I'll get some, get an English channel. And again, I popped up on the screen. It was like a news night or something like that. And I didn't do it deliberately. <laughs> it was just, ah, it was just terror, you know, particularly for her. Uh, As if you didn't give the star 50 Hong Kong dollars <laughs> that you project you in there. <laughs> but that's amazing. That's amazing. It's, um, yeah, yeah it's, it, it is extraordinary. And it, it's, it is lovely. I mean, one of the things that you will find as you do more of your podcast is that people will really get a relationship with you, which they don't get maybe so much in print or via Twitter because they hear your voice. And podcasts are a very intimate kind of thing. And I've done talks. I did a talk a couple of years ago. Obviously, all my talks were a couple of years ago. Um, but I did a talk a couple of years ago in South Africa. And I gave my talk, great. And there was someone afterwards who came up and said, I just want you to know I really like the podcast. And it's still amazing to me. There are people around the world listening to the podcast. Yeah. It's really heartening, isn't it, to, to think about it's that? It's lovely. You about your audience, yeah. It's lovely. And can I say to anybody, I mean, this isn't a request. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want people to do it just because I requested it. But if you do see someone give a talk, not me, because I don't deserve it, but if you see someone else give a talk and you think it was good, if you go up to them afterwards and say, I just want you to know I really enjoyed your talk, it means so much. Because speaking personally, I often will do a talk and I kind of think, oh, you know, I could have done that better. You know, I think, oh, that didn't that didn't quite work. That didn't work. And I always think when someone takes the time to come up to you after a, a public speech or something like that and say, I really enjoyed that. It means so much to me. And I'd say that was and I always say that is so kind of you to say, because you didn't have to do that. You could have just cleared off beating volivons now. But you hung around <laughs> just to say that. And I just think that's so generous. I, I just think it's a lovely thing to do. And so I'm a bit bashful and shy naturally. So I, I, I'm guilty sometimes of seeing great talks and not telling people. But I think I think we should, you know, if if we like it, we should tell people if we think someone did a good job, we should tell them. Nice job. Well done. I think that's a really great idea, actually. I think you're absolutely right in that. I love the 80s theme that this podcast is kind of the volivants, the no, the North House Party. <laughs> I'm in a time warp, aren't I? <laughs> love it. <laughs> I, I do think during COVID, we've seen a lot more social media presence um, in particular really suddenly accelerate and grow. Mm. Mm. I wonder whether social media notoriety or striving to become, you know, one of those so, so-called infosex celebs, has that become almost like a viable career path in the industry? Is that something people are actually striving for as an objective? Well, I think it's certainly the case that if um, if you have a big social media presence, that is a tick in your favour compared to people who haven't. Because you have followers in quotes, you know, you have your disciple, your digital disciples who are doing everything that you say and sort of bowing to your wisdom as you tweet away, um, which doesn't really happen to me at all. But um, certainly digital for events. Design, I love that. That's excellent. <laughs> but uh, you, you certainly get um, event organisers um, who, if they're trying to decide who should speak at an event, are probably influenced by social media presence, I think, because, of course, you, as the presenter, can go and tell those 100,000 people, or however many people it is, that you're going to be speaking at an event and, you know, come and, and... But it doesn't make us any more worthy, and it doesn't make us better speakers. It doesn't mean that we have anything more interesting to say. And I think there's a problem sometimes of having the same old names at events, um, because it can all get a bit samey, and it'd be good to get newer, younger voices as well, more diverse voices, I think. But, yeah... It, 
I think um, chances are, just as we see in every other industry, like fashion, for instance, or beauty, um, people who are building up a social media presence, um, that's probably happening in cybersecurity too. Um, because that's just the modern way to do it, isn't it? I mean, I, I don't really understand TikTok and things like that. I, I don't really understand Instagram and know how to use it. I find the app really unintuitive. Again, it's because I'm over 50, probably, but it's just baffling to me. But there are people who will use that just in the same way that I in the past might have used press releases or, you know, gone on John Craven's news round or something like that to to get their name and their face out there. I like the way the intonation of how you say like TikTok and Instagram demonstrates how alien you find that concept. Like you say yes, it. Tick, TikTok. TikTok. What is this? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's interesting what you say about uh, conference organizers. And obviously we organize our own digital mm. virtual events. And you do take that into consideration because like you say, you're thinking about marketing, you're thinking about yeah. mass reach and audience. But at the same time, like I've launched a sort of a, a next gen stream of content on our website. So um, we've, we've picked that up and put it in our digital events as well. So it's a platform for newbies and newcomers and students to publish their work. Um, and it's just sort of giving that voice to, to the next generation, because I think, like you say, sometimes it's really easy just to get sucked into having the same names and the same faces yep. because they're well known. And then you're just in a catch me too, aren't you? And it's just going round and round in circles. Yeah, I think I think that's a great initiative uh, and well done to you for doing it, because there are so many people now who've maybe gone through university studying cybersecurity and uh, may well be much better qualified than dinosaurs like myself. And it, it is always good to have new perspectives on these things and different ways of thinking and uh, more agile brains, perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so I'm curious, so you invite people to send tips to you on your website of things that are happening mm. vulnerabilities how do you choose what to cover and what makes you kind of stop and and listen and think ah i really want to go and investigate that um yeah so i mean it's strange i mean most of the emails which i receive from my blog are normally from people claiming oh my girlfriend isn't replying to my messages and i uh, can i can you help me hack her account to Are check she's all right oh yeah oh oh every week i am getting messages from people saying can you hack into this account or i've forgotten my password um facebook aren't helping or instagram isn't helping can you help me do this um so there's a lot of that and obviously i suspect most of it is not being truthful um so so there's that so you have to weed through an awful lot of those sort of requests um, yes. And then you also get uh, PR agencies who are sort of abusing the send a tip feature to send you mm-hmm. press releases about a new appointment in their senior executive team of some <laughs> cybersecurity company or they've just received funding. You just think, well, I t- why would anyone care about this? Why are they putting out a press release? No one on earth is going to report this news because it's so dull, let alone uh, is it going to be juicy enough for a tip for me? But sometimes you get you do get some really interesting stuff like it might be somebody who suspects there's been a data breach um Mm -hmm. they may have seen a website which is acting peculiarly which you may want to have a look at um they may have had a bad experience uh with customer service or not had assistance from technical support of a social media company for instance when they've got a valid concern um and then i think it's possible for a voice such as mine to sort of help focus attention on it so because i do have a bit of an audience I'm not the only one, far from it, but I can be somebody who can 
help them get something resolved by writing about it or maybe get a problem fixed, which the company isn't taken seriously. Yeah, you're really talking my language there when you're talking about the weeds that we have to filter through. Oh, yeah. Uh, We've just released the eighth update to our DDoS protection tool that was released in 2012. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. It's just uh, relentless, isn't it? But like you say, there's there's gems. What what was your favorite scoop of all time? Like, what's the thing you've most enjoyed covering? Oh, golly. Um, Well, I'm quite childish in my sense of humor, so it would probably have been... (laughs) We 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 used to have a lot of fun both when I was running Sophos's PR team uh, was one of my jobs way back when you know coming up with ideas but um, trying to think of something I remember um, when I think it wasn't a tip I think it's something I actually discovered by accident that there was a beta version of Facebook they put a beta they made a server live deliberately like you can test out the new Facebook with a new interface just go to new.facebook.com or something like that. Okay. And what it turned out was that they hadn't implemented all of their privacy controls on the site. So you could find out anybody's date of birth and maybe even email address as well. So even if you had told it, don't display my date of birth, you could just go to the new version of Facebook, the one that they were planning to roll out, and there it was for everybody to see. And it's just like, wow. Wow. That. that is huge you know what a goof first of all what a dumb thing to do and make life how could they not have spotted that but it was also so easy for anybody to well to, to, to use that to gather information on anybody who they wanted uh, and that was one of the reasons why my advice was well the primary advice was always don't have a facebook account but after that if you're going to have a facebook account don't give it real genuine information you know so lie about your date of birth Mm-hmm. Um, and lie about you know it, it, it's like these qu- silly security questions you get asked by the bank you know you shouldn't give it your mother's real maiden name you should claim xena warrior princess or something like that instead <laughs> and, and store your store your fake mother's maiden name in your password manager so that you can remember it um when eventually one day you do need it but it's yeah so that so that that was a lot of fun i can't remember i write about so many things i've I've got to that age where my brain's getting rather foggy and it, it, you can't always remember absolutely everything. But um, well, certainly think, there's, there's been a lot of fun over the years. Yeah, I, I, I bet there has. And I, I can confirm, actually, that info security um, professionals as an industry are very good at not giving out their, uh, their real information. <laughs> as someone that every now and again sort of flicks through to see who's been looking at our webinars, who's watching our online <laughs> summits to make sure that we're pitching, you know, the content at the right audience. I do notice there's an awful lot of, you know, mini mouses and um, all sorts. Arnold of- Aardvark from Afghanistan. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's yes. That's, a good that's one, me, yeah. I'm afraid. <laughs> oh, well, you've, you've been a regular viewer then, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. Well, Arnold has. Yes. <laughs> Well, um, before I kind of go into the the, the silly questions, I, in fact, I'm not entirely convinced that um, any of these have been non-silly. Um, but, you know, in five years time, do you see yourself still doing what you're doing now? Or is it time, you know, do, do you sense a change coming? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mean, professionally, of course. <laughs> um, oh, you you know... When I left Sophos 13 years ago, I didn't really want to stay in cybersecurity. I would much rather have done. I, I felt I needed a change then. I thought I'd done enough. Um, 
but it pays the bills. So as long as I've got bills to pay, uh, if I, unless I can find some easier way to make money, which is more fun, um, <laughs> then I'll probably keep on doing it. For me, it's always been about having fun. I've never been interested in career progression, for instance. Whenever I've been given someone to manage, that's just a nightmare. You know, being given a team and they, they sort of tell you this, you have this team as a reward. And I also, well, what, you know, what makes you think just because I've been here for a long time, I would magically have the powers to manage people well. Why not just <laughs> let me carry on doing what I'm doing instead? And in fact, in a couple of occasions, uh, Carol Terrio, who is on the pod, Smashing Security podcast with me each week, she used to work for me and I engineered it that she then became my boss. Hey, wow. And so that I, I could carry on doing fun stuff and she would have to go to all the meetings I didn't want to go to because they were sort of pointless. Um, so she she and she handled that. Um, poor her for having to put up with that and for me having me as an employee. But uh, it was. Yeah. So five years. I have this horrible feeling I'm still going to be doing this. I would like to think. That I will uh, still be doing the podcast because the podcast is great fun and that's probably the most fun I'm having at the moment. Um, I, I do love public speaking on stage. Um, I actually have, um, later this week, as of recording, I'm going to be on a stage for the first time in ooh, over 18 months. Oh, COVID. So, yeah, exactly. So I'm going to brave London um, and go down and, and participate a little there, which will be tremendous. And I, d I do miss that. It's not the same talking down a monitor at all because you yeah. can't get feedback from the audience mm -hmm. i miss being on a stage so i i am looking forward to doing that again but uh the, the podcast is great fun and uh we have a lot of fun doing that so that's the real love at the moment writing i'm not doing as much writing as i used to i've reduced my writing a bit because I, I i was just i'm trying to get a better work-life balance i suppose in my sunset years I... <laughs> sunset years i love it how poetic <laughs> No, you really surprised me with that answer. I thought Have you could I? be one of these people that sort of said, you know, this cyber, this is my dream job. You know, I, I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. So it's kind of surprised me that you said when you left Sophos, you were actually considering getting out of the industry. So what would be your dream job then, if it's if it's not oh. this? Oh, oh my goodness. Well, I would like to be meatloaf, as we've already described. I, <laughs> I would like to be. <laughs> I'd like I'd like to be able to play the piano. I recently bought oh. myself a piano. In fact, we included in the last Smashing Security podcast, folks, uh, episode two hundred and forty-three. Um, we included so <laughs> we included uh, a snippet of me very badly playing the piano. So I, I'm terrible. I can't play at all. But uh, <laughs> I bought a book which promised it would teach me in five weeks how to do it. And uh, two years no. later, uh, two <laughs> years later, I'm still plinking plonking away. But uh, it, but no, I. I you know, I, I would like to do maybe something more artistic and um, uh, something which maybe more people oriented as well. I'm a bit of a softie really at heart. If there was a way I could afford my bills, but also be helping people, uh, maybe in a more direct way than cybersecurity advice, then I'd be happy to do it, I think. I don't know. Maybe I should. Maybe I need to get off my backside and actually look out there. I, I'm just I've, I mean, I've been doing this job. I've been working in cybersecurity since I think 19 January 1992. You know, I'm coming up to 30 years. Is that right? Yeah. 30. Yeah, exactly. Now. Yes, you, now. Next year. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> you were at primary school. I get it. Yes. I get it. Uh, I was, so, was going to mention that again, but you beat it. <laughs> 
<laughs> so you know, I th- I think that's a that's a good enough stab. But you know, maybe I can hang on another five years and then find yeah. some method to retire. And you know, I don't I don't know I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. Learn the nose flute. I don't know. <laughs> do <laughs> get better at the piano by the sounds of it. Do, yeah, do, welly wangling. I mean, what what do people do? I mean, I. <laughs> I like I like I enjoy writing. I I love telling stories. I I love make I love fiction. I love making up stories and telling stories to my son, you know, late at night in bed and things like that. And uh, it's you know, I I would love to do something like that. I'm not sure there's any money in it though. That's the trouble. It's a very competitive market. So maybe yeah. you'll still hear me banging on about multi-factor authentication and <laughs> password managers and all the rest of it for some years yet. Oh, I share your dream though. I could I can think of nothing better than being a novelist or making, you know, making money from telling stories. That'd just be amazing. Oh. Yeah, I I once went on a um I don't know if it's relevant for your podcast. I I once went on a uh, a storytelling course um mm-hmm. uh, which was given by a professional storyteller and wow. over the course of three days it was all about giving a performance and telling a story and making up stories and the techniques used and it was absolutely tremendous. I don't know how much money it is. I mean, I, I do feel sorry for people who write books because unless you're an absolute rock star at that, yes. it must be hard to make money out of it. But I, I guess it's something you do because you've got it in you and you've, you've got to get it out. And uh, then you can claim you're a novelist, even if it doesn't sell. You, and you obviously face quite a lot of rejection as well, don't you, in trying to, if you think about even J.K. Rowling, mm, yeah. Worlds and those stories, it's, it takes a lot of push setbacks before you Yeah. Go. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm going to ask you the Desert Island Discs question because All right. nobody escapes from this podcast without answering. So um, the Desert Island Disc question is if you were stranded on a desert island for a year and you could only take with you one song, one book and one oh. luxury item, <laughs> what would you take? Oh, my um, goodness. Yeah. There's always an amazing variety of answers um, to this question. So you get to have one song that plays. Yep. One book and one luxury item. Oh, my word. Well, that's an absolute nightmare. Okay, okay. A song, not an album. Just a song. Sorry. <laughs> oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> Aren't I cruel? Yes, you are. <laughs> I mean, what, what, what a horrible thing to do. Okay. Um, it's a desert island, right? Is this, is this like a sunny desert island? Oh, it's beautiful. It's, it's, it's in the oh, Maldives. I can't yeah. stand. Sa- is it got a sandy beach? <laughs> yes fine white sand i hate that oh, it's, yeah. i don't understand why anyone would want to go on holiday to a sandy beach it's like going to a building site it's like and it's just <laughs> no, no this is just horrible so i'm going to need i'm going to need a, a, i mean i'm sorry for i'm sorry for the <laughs> i'm sorry for the environment i think i'm going to need air conditioning I think I'm going to need air conditioning and a ruddy, huge parasol um, because I'm not going to be happy with the sand and the oh, and the sunshine. I just I just it's got, I want it colder and I want shade and I want to get off that ruddy island as quickly as I can. So maybe my luxury item actually can be a boat or something. Actually, no, I've been sailing. It's miserable. I don't like boat. Well, how am I going to get off a helicopter? I'd have to learn how to helicopter. Oh. Don't stop laughing. Distress flares. I don't know. It's just get me off the island. Whatever will get me off the island the quickest is what Distress I need. Distress flares. That's an excellent yeah. answer. Right. Okay. We'll we'll stick with that. 
Okay. Now then, <laughs> I'm really upset about where I am, by the way. So. <sighs> I have uh, noticed. The book, this is a horrible question. The book might be how to create distress flares out of coconuts and <laughs> sand because I'm now worried I've launched a distress flare and I've run out. Do I have a limitless number of distress flares? No, it's a pack of 10. It's a pack of 10. That's not going to be good enough, is it? So the book <laughs> is going to have to be, <laughs> it's going to be, have to be how to create distress flares out of nothing. Other than the abundance of sand and sunshine. And the I can song. Can you imagine what your song's going to be? <laughs> oh, what's my song going to be? Oh, I know. My song is going to be Help by the Beatles. <laughs> that's exactly what I knew you were going to say. Right. So that's <laughs> that's what it's going to be. Just you're just a horrible person. And I just please <laughs> never, ever do this to anybody ever again. I can't believe. Oh. I had to mute my mic then because I was laughing so much. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Aren't you miserable? <laughs> well, no, I'm not miserable. I just don't like sandy beaches. It gets between your toes. You then have that whole scenario of you've got to wash the sand off you. So you go, you traipse down to the sea, which is salty water, by the way. And then it's not heavy. It makes heavy the sand out. stick even more. Yes. And it makes it stand in more. And you're just in this dilemma of, well, what do I do now? How do I get back to the car? I bet my car's not even there. Oh, on the beach. It's like, how am I going to? Well, I'm just covered in this ruddy sand, which has got in all my crevices. I have plenty of crevices. I don't <laughs> want that happening. I want a stony island, probably <laughs> off Scotland, with, with a speedboat. I'm already happier. I feel happier already. Oh my goodness. <laughs> our, our shared hatred of Piers Morgan um, is a complete contradiction to this because I am the opposite of you. There is nothing <laughs> that makes me happier than hot temperatures, beautiful oh. beaches. Oh, it's heaven. It's hell. It's hell. <laughs> oh, well, that's what makes the world go round, doesn't it? A bit of diversity. Okay, last question. Well, well there's more. There's more after that. One more question. One more question, oh. but I promise you it's nothing to do with the beach. Okay. So it's got two parts. The part A is, do you drive? Yes, I drive. Okay. So part B is, um, we are facing <laughs> this week in the UK um, a bit of a fuel crisis, and I use yes. quite loosely, depending on where you mm. read your news, akin to the Great Lou Roll Crisis of 2020. <laughs> so I want to know, Graham, did you speed down to your local BP or SO garage to stock up as soon as said crisis hit the headlines? Or are you still cruising around with your refuel button flashing ferociously? Which side of the fence do you sit on? Well, do you want the truth? I do. I drive an electric car. Oh, you smug. Oh, I'm not going to care. Oh, goodness me. It is wonderful out on the roads at the moment because no one's out there. No one dare go drive anywhere <laughs> because they're all worried they're going to run out of fuel. There I am tootling around. On my uh, my smart. AA batteries. I'm loving it. It's great. Yeah. Whereas I am one of those people that are driving around with my crisis button flashing, but I'm yeah. too stubborn to go and refuel because I don't want anyone else to think that I've got half a tank and I'm just one of those people. So I take a risk every day to break down just because I'm too stubborn <laughs> for people to think that I'm one of those new world people. <laughs> well, I can tell you, I, 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 I blotted my copybook when it comes to the loo roll, because during the great loo roll drought 
of 2020. I think it was then, was it then or 2019? Yeah, uh, 2020. Um, um, our household was running out. Uh, just naturally, we mm. were running low on loo paper and we realised we needed to buy just a few rolls of loo paper. But we couldn't get them at all, right, yeah. because there was this drought. And so my wife went online and she found one place which sold loo paper. But unfortunately, they would only sell by the pallet. And oh so... We, <laughs> oh, my goodness. So she had... Do you have a delivery? She had delivered to us about 200 rolls of loo paper. Not because we wanted that many. We were still getting through it a year later. It was it, it filled up the hallway. Uh, we, had to, we had to have an extension bit on the side of our house to accommodate all this extra loo paper. Oh, I'm just imagining this lorry reversing into the driveway, <laughs> opening the back and all these loo rolls just falling out. Oh, my goodness. So I am sorry for anyone who ended up with a dirty bum uh, because of that. Um, you were to blame. Well, no, it wasn't me. It was my household. I'd just like to stress it wasn't me who actually clicked on the buy button. Well, I had to navigate well, around it for six months afterwards, trying to get to the kitchen. Well, what a note to end on. Classic. <laughs> Yeah. Lou, old drought and your smug electric car. Yes. Oh my goodness. Well, Graham, it has been an absolute pleasure. And I really mean that when I say that. I have oh. so enjoyed talking to you. And like I said, I've actually had to mute my mic at times because I was laughing so much. So thank <laughs> you so much for being on the podcast today. My pleasure. It's been great fun. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Into Security Chats. I've been Eleanor Dalloway, and it has been a pleasure to have you listening in. Join the conversation next month as I get to know my next guest.